Hearing from Nancy Brush this morning. Uh, Ron and uh, Nancy have been a part of our church uh, the last eight or nine years, as, as long as that's, as long as Jane and I have known them. And um, they bring a real um, they bring a real wisdom, peace, and wholeness. I just lost my there. I got my juice back. Um, and uh, I asked Nancy a couple of weeks ago if she would come and just bring uh, the testimony of God's goodness and power in her life. Um, Nancy's been a friend to me and also personally a counselor to me. So just helped me find places in my life of tremendous healing over these last years. I'm very thankful for that. And my sense is that God has a real specific um, message to release to us as a people. So what I'd ask you to do is open your heart and your mind to hear what God's deposited in Nancy and to receive it. I, th- I think it has a part of maturing us as a people. So I'm excited, and I really appreciate your help. So, okay. <laughs> And I forgot one of my papers. <laughs> Thanks. Not that I even used it the last time, but <laughs> you never know. Um, when Randy asked me to do this a couple weeks ago, um, you know, here I, I'm going to be talking on healing. And so I immediately have an accident, and I about crushed my ribs and my hip and I made a big mess of myself and couldn't talk for four days. I mean, it was so bad. I couldn't even hardly talk for four days. and just moaned and groaned. So after the last service, so I came with a little pain this morning. But it's gone, completely gone. I thought, I'm going to have to walk this one all the way through, but it's all gone. So thanks, God. Praise God. Um, I, I want to share the glory of the Lord. Two, I, I've had a lot of healings. I've had several miracles. But I want to share two specific miracles that have happened to me that I call miracles of grace, which I'll share later, and um, into his glory, into his honor. And there are... Uh, and uh, I do tend to... I lose focus. I tend to just flip into prayer. So those people who know me closely, they know we can be having a conversation. All of a sudden, I just move into prayer. <laughs> you know how you, you blossom into song? I blossom into prayer. And it, it brings life to me. So if that happens, just go with the flow. Just go with me. <laughs> I have two scriptures here that have meant a lot to me in my walk in the Lord. And it's Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. And I've kind of broken it down for myself here. Um, Jesus came to preach the good news to the meek, the poor, and the afflicted. And hopefully we're one of those. Uh, I guess it would be better to be meek, but I've been more poor and afflicted. Um, To bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and open the prison doors and the eyes of those who are bound. And read through the whole, if you haven't read through all 61, read, read all 61. It's awesome. And then also in Hebrews 2, 14, 16, this explains what I came out of um, and what he's done. That since therefore these, his children, that's us, share in flesh and blood in the physical nature of human beings, he himself, Jesus, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature that by going through death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil, completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. 
For as we all know, he, Christ, did not take hold of the angels, the fallen angels, to give them help with a delivering hand. But he took hold of the descendants of Abraham, that's us, to reach out to them in a helping and delivering hand. And we can trust him. And, and for me, I felt totally broken. He came for the brokenhearted. I felt totally broken and beyond repair. I felt that haunting fear of death that I walked with daily. And I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know what to do for myself. I was stuck in it. But God heard the cry in my heart, and he set me free. And But he did it in a way that I could understand. Um, I know many of you here have come out of traumatic backgrounds, maybe like me. Uh, some of you much less. Some of you much more. Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, all of us have been broken in some way where we have felt shame and brokenness and self-hatred and, and that tormenting fears of fear and pains of punishment. Uh, but if we have Christ living within us, we have the paths to take. He sets us on a healing path. And uh, I just want to mention a couple of these healing paths. Um, for, you know, he's the finisher of our faith. We can't even do that. We have to depend on him in all things. Um, and everything I'm going to talk about all has to do with a dependence on him. And, and I love what Stephen did up here. <laughs> you know, he made a mistake and it's like, he, you know, went, went on. And that's what we, that's what we do. We, we do a lot of failures. We do a lot of mistakes. We, it's hard to get through a day without doing something wrong. And, and we can just start over and do it again and do fine. Uh, but Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness for his, same name, his name's sake. Well, my first healing path, as, as healing takes place, you can look back and you can see God's hand in your life a lot easier than you can when you're walking in it. And so as, as I look back, and 12 years old, an evangelist came to our little Presbyterian church. And it was at the right moment and at the right time, and it was his grace. And I heard the gospel, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what to do with it. But I knew he was alive in my heart. And I felt um, I didn't know how to fully grasp him. But I knew there was something different inside. And so I would sit in my little attic room and cry out to God every day uh, for him to help me. And there was a hope and a knowing that he would get me to him someday uh, closer. And so that's what took me through my years. But in the process of trying to find God, uh, well, first I married Ron, my husband, right over there. And uh, the people from the first service says, who's Ron? <laughs> uh, and it seems like, well, those of you who got married, there's something about getting married. Everything surfaces when you get married, doesn't it? And whatever was hidden away comes up. <laughs> well, that's what it did with us and uh, me. Uh, uh, and anyhow, we began, I began searching for God, and I got on the wrong path. In Proverbs 4.14, it warns us, 
Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of the evil men. Avoid it and do not go on. Turn from it and pass on. Well, I got involved in all kind of occultic practices, trying to find peace, thinking I was finding God. I got into yoga meditation, transcendental meditation, star readings, horoscopes. And as a kid, I was in the Ouija board and and eight ball and a bunch of other stuff. Um, But all it did was, and it brought peace for a time, for a moment. But then I just plummeted into even more depression and anxiety and chaos in my life. Um, God has a lot to say about us participating in these things, even though we do it innocently, uh, even though we don't know exactly what we're doing, it still affects and damages our spirit, particularly our spirit. I see some shakes there. Yeah, it's, it's, and it may look glamorous, and, uh, but it's not. It's not. It's a way that the devil, he came to kill, steal, and destroy, and he'll grip you in that way and deceive you. And, uh, and God says, he says, I'm not going to give my glory to another. He wants to come into us, but even when he comes in and that's there, there is a wrong filter that goes through um, that, that um, you can actually hear some things from God because, because of that covering of the occult uh, practices, it will filter in a distorted way so you don't hear him clearly. I mean, I see people all the time, and I was one of them, too, where you would read something in Scripture, and you'd feel so condemned over it because you couldn't see the whole picture of it. It would just zero in on it, and, and you'd feel condemned and shame over it and say, well, see, that's why God doesn't love me. That's why he doesn't, because I can't do any of this stuff. And it just, is, it just brings it into a wrong perspective. Uh, and he does ask us to repent of those things. And... Uh, and to renounce them. And I, I know this path that we can get off on, you know, it, it can cover those good things of the Lord uh, with briars. And, and like, you know, I hate myself. So there's a briar over your patch that filters through things, his love, that doesn't make it through. So he's always, if we allow him, he will reveal these things to us. And help us clear them out. And uh, we're going to say a little prayer. Actually, uh, why don't we just say that right now? Um, if you're all willing to pray with me, and you can pray quietly uh, and say whatever you need to say in your heart. Um, Father, I ask for your forgiveness for those places that I have been involved in that have covered your light in my life. I ask that you forgive me for my involvement in occultic things, in things of witchcraft, of things of, uh, of that participate with witchcraft, like some of the books that are out, or um, some of the sitcoms like, um, I forget what it's called, but it's, uh, it's the vampire movies and the vampire sitcoms. Father, I ask that you forgive me for focusing my attention on those things and making them more important than you. Forgive me those for those occultic things that I have gotten involved in, in, like Saul in the Bible did, seeking a fortune teller, or the horoscopes, 
or something to find an answer when I really should be coming to you and looking for that answer. Forgive me for looking outside of you for answers. I renounce it. I renounce those things. And I submit my life into your hands that you would put me back on the right path. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, so I want to share uh, one of the first miracles that happened to me. In 1976, um, well, actually, it's before that, when I was a young teen, paranoid schizophrenia began developing in me. And, um, and about in 1976 is when Ron and I went to a psychologist um, for counseling, trying to figure out what in the world was wrong with mostly me. Uh, he's perfect. <laughs> but I was suffering from terror, and, and I was hearing voices coming through the walls. Um, I couldn't walk from one room to another without the light being on. Well, it was even with the light on. I couldn't walk from one room to another, hardly, without just kind of running and darting. And uh, I would go into a rage one minute, and I'd be sitting in the corner another minute in the stereo, wrapped up like a little baby in the corner. And uh, I'd want to put my hand down garbage disposals and jump out of moving cars. And, and, and I was gray. I just looked like death warmed over. And uh, I looked like I had leprosy. Nobody wanted to be around me or touch me or be around me. I just looked like I had a plague. And uh, I was going to three specialists that had three different diseases, chronic diseases. And and then we were going for uh, the counseling. And he uh, he diagnosed me as paranoid schizophrenic. And it was almost a relief to know what was wrong with me. Because up to that point, I just thought I was crazy and that Ron would just have to commit me. Um, I found this little book. Actually, God brought it to me, that healing of path, that healing path. He brought this book to me that I really, I don't even know if I can recommend it, but in that book was the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the circumstance may be, be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. Who are in Christ Jesus, the re- the revealer and meditator of that will. I, that became a word that gave life to me. It, it came in and it kind of illuminated. It was it would lit up like a neon sign for me and became life to me. And I knew I I was in rage all the time. I, I could never find relief from it. It was a constant. Rage was constantly moving in me. and But I knew I hated my mother. I didn't remember what happened to me growing up, but I knew I hated my mother. And so I thought, oh, I'll give thanks for her. And so I began giving thanks every day, every moment. It wasn't just once a day. It was, I thank you. And I'd say it all wrong. Thank you that I hate my mother. <laughs> and, I, and I thank God. I mean, he took me where I was. I didn't know scripture. I didn't know anything. It's just like... I, he just took me where I was. He knew my heart inside that I was trying to submit to him in this. And so I just say these thanks. And and, uh, and, and in doing that, 
uh, I was aware, I just say it, and then I have to say it again, and then I say it again. It was, that's the way it was, my whole waking day for three months. And um, so as I went on this road, about at the end of three months, looked the same, hadn't changed a bit. I looked the same way I did before I started. And I, so I made a choice right there. I said, Lord, I can't see that I am of any value to you, any earthly good here. So um, if you just want to use me this way, that's what I'll do. I'll just give thanks to you for the rest of my life. Because uh, I didn't even know how long I'd live, you know. And so I said that. The next day, Ron and I were having a fight. And um, the Lord spoke to me and said, Nancy. And he said, back then, you know, I had, he spoke very loudly to me because I had voices. <laughs> there were always voices. There was pictures, things coming through the wall. I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I didn't even tell Ron all that went on with me, you know. It was like I started screaming. He's like, why are you screaming? It's like a uh, uh, shark came through the wall to get me. Um, So he said this to me, Nancy, loudly, will you do it my way? And I said, yes, Lord. Immediately I said, yes, Lord. Well, I had not a clue what he meant, do it my way, because I didn't know Scripture. So... uh, so I turned, I just turned immediately and asked him to forgive me, and then we went to bed. But what happened the next morning, I was evidently healed immediately and didn't know it. But the next morning I woke up, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, there was no rage. My eyes were bright. The colors were bright. Uh, the room was bright. Uh, it was just, it was unbelievable. It was like nothing I can't even imagine. It was like there was a sense of well-being in me. Like, And I remember saying, so this is what it's like to have life. Because I never in my whole life ever experienced it, ever. I jumped out of bed. Before, he'd always have to bring me orange juice to uh, to be able to talk or even get out of bed. And... Um, we went and played tennis, and I beat him. I didn't tell the other group that. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> I went back to the psychologist, and, and he was watching me. He says, what? He finally says, well, what happened to you? And I said, and I just equated it as my born-again experience. And he says, well, I've never seen any. I'm born again. I've never seen anything like this. Uh, and so he just, he was totally baffled, and he just gave me a clean bill of health. Now, I've not dealt with any abuse. I didn't remember my abuse, nothing. I All I did was give thanks. And he took care of all the details. He took care of the enemy. He fought the enemy for me. He took care of it all. Um, and for the next four years, and the, and the other, I went to the other doctors too, and I got a clean, clean bill of health from all of them too. Um, uh, I think I said it earlier. I don't know if I want to leave our sex life out of this. Uh, <laughs> I would, when, another thing that was wrong with me, every time we'd have sex, I'd end up in the emergency room. <laughs> Stop holding your head, Steve. <laughs> so, so anyhow, we worked that out. <laughs> but the next four years, I was radical in my salvation. 
And in my love for God, I served him. I was very timid and shy. I hadn't gotten over that. And I was still fearful and going and doing things that he would ask me to do. But in lots of funny stories we have on that. We'll have to have a party sometime and tell our funny stories. But... Uh, uh, but I, I was just radical. Ron just, he wanted to lock me up, I know, a few times there. But, uh, and then several months went by, and uh, uh, we got our precious son. The Lord held our son for us until I wouldn't be quite so crazy, you know. Uh, I still had things to work out, but, but I, I was alive. I was alive in the Lord. And so we got our son, David. He's a handsome one over there that has no hair. <laughs> and his new wife. Uh, and so the next four years, I just was raising him and loving him. He was a, he was a source of joy to us um, and uh, doing all these crazy things. But life was good. And um, I realize now, looking back, that was a season of healing for me. And then he moved me into a season of building. You know, Ecclesiastics talks about that. There's a time of sadness and sorrow and building and tearing down. Well, the, the, that schizophrenia was a time of healing. And now he moved me into four years of just building. I was in, I was in the Word of God day and night uh, whenever I wasn't raising David and doing whatever I had to do. Uh, not, not that I had, had to raise him, <laughs> but, but, I, uh, but I was in the Word of God just continually. And that was a building time because he was preparing me for what I had to face. And um, I, before I do that, I, I just want to talk about these, because I'm calling these miracles of grace. And um, it's a word that's very hard to grab a hold of. I mean, even now I've read the, a lot of all the books and, and thought, what the way they're talking about it? I just go over my head and it's, I thought, that sounds really nice, but I just can't, can't grab a hold of it or figure it out. And, but as I would hunt up these scriptures in the Bible, and I would, that's why I love the Amplified, because they would explain it in more, in, in deeper ways, uh, like uh, Romans 5.20, or, or it's Hebrews 4.16 first, I guess. Oh. We're in First Thessalonians. Okay. Hebrews 4.16. Um, grace and mercy seem to run together with each other. Uh, it's like one, they don't, they, one picks up and the other leaves off. And, but mercy runs after us for our failures and, our, uh, and to cover our mistakes, and, which we make plenty of. But grace, that's there at that exact time that we need it in, for the very thing that we need it for. And... Um, Uh, and, and when we uh, welcome and receive this grace, it's a step that we're taking that we're saying, I'm trusting you. I'm receiving that grace. I'm trusting you. And so when I was giving thanks for that, I was trusting him. And so his grace was abounding over me. Uh, in Romans 5.20 says, where sin increases and abounds, grace surpasses it. And increased even more and superabounds. And that's what I was experiencing in that healing. 
so, and, and I was involved with some faith people at the time, and they didn't like that. They didn't like me saying that. I'm very strong faith. I love faith. I was raised, you know, walking in, in some of my church beginnings. But, uh, but <laughs> I couldn't get away that this was his grace. This was his miracle of grace. And, yes, I did trust him, and I did give thanks, and I did obey, and I did do those things. But he's the one that set the whole thing up. And I believe that those people, those ones like me and those who struggle with mental illness and, and uh, have been hurt in the church through legalism or through ritual abuse and the damaging of Jesus' name, I believe he pours out a much greater grace to those of us who have gone through some of that stuff. So anyhow, the next miracle was, it, it hit me hard. Um, it was uterine cancer. I was hemorrhaging and having pain, and uh, Ron was encouraging me to go to a Christian doctor, to this Christian doctor I found, uh, to go to this. And I did, and he examined me and tested me and diagnosed me. And, and, uh, but because I had been abused some by some doctors at a, at a young age, I, uh, I just couldn't go back. And so I called him and said, well, God's healed me before. He'll heal me again. And even though I didn't know what was going to happen to me, uh, I knew I trusted God more than I did the doctor. And, uh, but, but in the process of working through this, and now this one was three years, not three months. This was three years with no treatment that I would often was dealing with pain and hemorrhaging, and it would go in and out. As Ron says, you have to go to the doctor, and then he would, great, the Lord would graciously just stop all the, the hemorrhaging, so that I wouldn't go, because uh, I was so afraid. I mean, even going that one time, I was just shaking and trembling the whole time. Uh, but um, I got very angry with God. It's like, well, hey, I love you. I've been serving you. What's why'd you do this to me? You know, and. And uh, and then some of my stuff started surfacing, and then I got angrier. Uh, I got angry at men. I found out I hated men, and uh, and God was a man. And, uh, and I remember the first time He stood up and revealed Himself to me. Uh, it, it was interesting. He stood up. I, I I thought, okay, I'll go to the throne room of God. I'll see if I can do this. And I went there, and there He was. And He stood and He stood up. And he was this short guy. <laughs> well, we happened to go to a church with a pastor who was short. <laughs> Remember, Phil? <laughs> and uh, I thought, you're short. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, he didn't come near me. And I realized how afraid I was of men and God because if he had come near me, I probably would have put up my fists and start slugging. And he just stood there. He just stood there and let, let it sink into me. Um, so anyhow, through this three-year period, there was, um, I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't pray because I was angry with God. I, I could get into Psalms a little bit. So when I got into Psalms, I kept running across, because I have this Amplified Bible, cause me. And... Uh, so I looked up the word cause. I thought, what's this mean? And it, it means it costs nothing to have it. It's free. It's devoid. Um, you can, so you can say, cause me to be healed 
and I don't have to do nothing. So all these wonderful prayers I got, Psalm 143.8, caused me to hear your loving kindness and to know the way I should walk. Ezekiel 37.5, cause your breath and life to enter me and I shall live. Cause me to hope, Psalm 119.49. Psalm 103, verse 3 and 5, cause me to receive. So, and then there's one on cause me to escape. So I would pray these all day long. So here I am again. God brought me another word, one word that he planted in my heart. It only takes one word from God to get anything. Well, you don't have to have all this stuff. Well, you need to be single-minded. Oh, that, that was one thing I didn't tell you. Schizophrenia is a very demonic split thing. And your, your brain is split. It doesn't work together. And you're, it's the, it's the, the key double-minded person, you know, because you're all over the place. But when he gave me the scripture, I became single-minded. He's the one that did that for me. Help me get single-minded because a double-minded person will receive nothing from the Lord. So, and, um, what was the other thing I forgot to tell you about that? Uh, it'll probably come to me. <laughs> um, oh, fear. You know, they say fear and faith can't walk together. Well, I was in terror all the time. But when I said, thank you, Lord, I looked past the fear and I looked at thank you. I didn't look at the, the shame and the schizophrenia and the voices and that was all still going on. The terror was all still going on. I didn't look at that anymore. I looked at thank you. Okay, so, um, so it became the same thing with this. Cause me. I became single-minded. I did not look on uh, the cancer, I, the word cancer, which is very frightening. Um, So, so at the end of this third year, uh, as I was walking through this, uh, Bill Hammond, I don't know if any of you know him. Does anybody know Bill Hammond? He's a known prophet in the United States uh, and, and was pretty big back then, too. Uh, this has been a while back. Um, he came to our church, and he gives personal prophecy. And so, uh, you know, he, he took hold of me in my hand, and gave me this wonderful prophetic word. And I looked at him like, whoa, you know, I am so shy. I can't imagine doing that, you know, and uh, doing some of those things he said. And um, But he looked at me and he said, don't look at me that way. This will come to pass. And uh, and so I thought, okay, I just received it as a truth. And, and uh, so I went back to my seat, and I thought, okay, if that's going to happen, then I means I'm going to live and not die. And uh, so he says, anybody need healing? Well, I was ready. On the way there, on the way to the church, I had was praying, and I, I felt the cancer was gone. I don't know how I knew that or what, but I didn't have as much pain, and it just somehow it just seemed like the cancer was gone. But I knew I needed a creative miracle. And uh, I had had a partial hysterectomy um, six years earlier and loaded with endometriosis and tumors and scar tissue and all that stuff. 
And uh, so they back then, this is I'm old. <laughs> this is way back when they t- they didn't take a full hysterectomy. They took partial. And they, he said, you'll be back in in six months and get the rest out. And um, so I had had all that done, and I couldn't have children. And so, um, so here I was, and um, so when he says, does anybody need healing? Oh, so on the way from the church, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, I had asked for a creative miracle. So when he laid hands on me, he said, what's the problem? Well, he was a man, remember. And I, and I thought, I don't know this man. I don't know if I trust him. I just, I wasn't going to tell him. I said, pain. <laughs> and he said, he said, she has female problems. And he said, and, and you need a creative miracle. He said exactly what I said. So here we are. He prayed, and we touched heaven. Power and agreement. There's such power and agreement. Someone who can agree with you on the same word that you know God is speaking to your heart. And nothing. I felt, it's important for me to tell you, I felt absolutely nothing. But I knew we touched heaven. And I believed I was healed. And so I left there, and I went to a friend's house, and I witnessed to her husband, who was a non-believer. And I went home, and for three days, I sat on my bed, and uh, I read the Word of God. And uh, I know this sounds really weird, but the Bible is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God is in, in, the, in our Word, in the Bible. And that's what it became. The word became living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And it came off the page. I could still to this day feel it. The words come off the page and into my eyes and come down into my abdomen and do surgery on me. And I don't know what all he was doing, but he did a good job. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But... That I didn't feel so. Don't always expect at the onset to feel what God is doing. Trust Him that He's doing it. And so, anyhow, uh, I didn't tell this the first time, but since David's here, I was taking this little pretest to see, uh, and I was pregnant two days later, and I didn't go to the hospital uh, for having sex. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. I had to say it. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you know, that's significant. You know, some people really have trouble with sex. And when I had sex, I had the cross with me. I had Jesus. I had everybody in there with me. <laughs> so now, I, you know, he lets me do that on my own now. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, I'm taking this test. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> so I'm taking this test, and uh, and David says, "What are you doing, Mom?" I said, "Oh, I'm taking this test to see if I'm going to have a baby." And so I found out before he did, and I'm out looking out the window and saying, "Oh, Lord, I can't believe it! I'm going to." I knew, even though I knew, just the proof of it, 
I'm going to have a baby. It was something I was experiencing as a woman that I never had. <laughs> and this is why I didn't tell it the first time in this part. Um, so David, he, he goes in and looks and he says, yep, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> And so, you know, I went to the doctor, and um, he examined me. Um, he sent for my records of the surgery. The second time I went in, he says, yes, it's a miracle. And uh, I had this beautiful girl, Elizabeth, um, our second child that came to us in a different way, and who is now married and has her own baby. And that was, uh, she's now, she's 28. I was 40 when I had her. So he he will give us divine and specific words, just like he did in the New Testament, and uh, where he uh, he would just say things like, you know, he was constantly encouraging people by asking the questions to encourage their faith, to have them step away from fear. Um, he asked the blind man, you know, blind Bartimaeus sitting at the at the gate. Uh, here he's yelling and yelling and son of God and, and Jesus obviously he just walked past him and then he says to his disciples go get him you, know, you don't under, always understand what why God does things but he's doing something to increase their faith to prepare them to receive and cause them to receive a miracle from him so he, he stands up he throws his garment off his blind garment, whatever it was, and comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? You know? Oh, it had to be obvious. He was blind. So he was encouraging him to speak it out, to ask for what he wants. And the guy at the pool, Bethesda, uh, Jesus said, him, said to him, do you want to be well? He says, yeah, well, pick up your thing and go. And then later he told him, go and sin no more. So he, he was giving him instruction even along the way. Peter, you know, you know Peter, he asked him, do you love me? Three times. Well, there must be a purpose in that three times for Peter. You know, for, for Peter to get rid of the condemnation and the guilt and the shame of what he did and to know, yes, I really love the Lord. I'm okay. I love God. And, uh, and the woman with the issue of blood, uh, your faith has made you whole, she, he said to her. Uh, but he also told her, because in one of the versions, I think it's Luke, Mark, and Luke, where, he's, where she was afraid because somebody was going to find out she touched him. And he knew that. He, he had to have known that because when he called her out, he said, Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. So again, he's speaking to the fear. He's speaking so she can go and receive fully and hold it. And then I love what he did to Martha. You know, of course, he rebuked her. Martha, Martha, you're so anxious. But he did something that I thought, oh, ooh. If it wasn't for Jesus, I thought, that's an unwise thing. You never do this. He compared her to his sister. She said, your sister Mary has chosen a better thing. Who would do that to, <laughs> to a sibling, you know? Uh, so his ways, he has his ways of reaching us. And I, I, he found his way to reach me. And he can find his way to reach you on that healing path. And one of the scriptures I keep forgetting is, is the third thing, is that he leads us in fullness of joy on his healing path. That's where he wants us to walk and be. And he will help us get there. Um, 
Okay, so uh, Mark Verkler uh, said something in, in his book in uh, Communion with God, which is an awesome book to do if, if you're wanting to just learn how to commune with God. Um, he said that um, you have turned your issue into an idol when the issue you are praying for is larger in your conscience than, than Jesus, the one you're praying for. Now, I kind of said that in a different way, but let me say it his way. You are turned, you have turned your issue into an idol. When the issue, which is the idol, that you're praying for, which could be cancer, self-hatred, worthlessness, schizophrenia, mental illness, anything. Uh, when that becomes bigger in your conscience then you're praying for Jesus to help you and it becomes more of a focus there, you're, it's, it's hard for him to reach you. You kind of cut off his hand in a sense. So um, you want your eyes and your heart filled with Jesus. You know, it's just fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So that's why you need, you need to pray and you need to ask for a word from God, a specific living word that he plants into your spirit that sparks some life into you and you think, oh, I can believe for this. Uh, so I'm asking you where, is your, where is your, where are you on the healing path? What's your next step? Um, do you need some instruction from the Lord? Do you need a word from the Lord? Do you need a rebuke from the Lord? You know, we're his children. We're not bastard children. We're not secondhand children. We're his children. And, and what do you do when you love your children? You discipline them. You speak to them a word. You instruct them. You encourage them. So what are you needing today from him that can be give living and real and active in you? There is a scripture that's in your bulletin. In uh, it's Ephesians two. Um, that I pray all the time. Um, well, I just pray it. Uh, let me pray it over you because I like this scripture because it talks about. Um, that he will strengthen our innermost being and personality. And I was one who didn't feel like I had a personality. I was just kind of there. I grew up hiding and uh, disappearing. And so it didn't wasn't allowed to develop. So, um, and I was quiet and didn't talk. Didn't know what I liked, what I believed. But I like this scripture. When I found it, it's like, and I kept looking for something. It's like, what can you do about this personality here? <laughs> you know, and so when I found this scripture, it's like that, you know, it, it gave strength to me. Because it's paying strength into your innermost being and into your personality. So, um, so let's pray for that right now, okay? Father, I ask that you would, first of all, just pour out your great abundant grace it's something you want us to ask for that grace 
And I'm asking, and we're, they're asking in agreement, that you pour out your abundant grace that is overabounding and greater than any obstacle that we have, any sin that we have done, that you would just pour it out today so that we can take some steps in the right direction. And Father, I ask out of the rich treasure of your glory that you would empower each person with the Holy Spirit in their innermost being and personality, that you would strengthen them to go forward with you. We all, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter where we are, at what age we are, we always have to move towards you. There's always something that we need to be focusing on on you and and getting rid of. None of us are you, Lord. You're always working with us. And I just thank you and praise you and give you glory and honor that you're not going to leave us the way we are, that you're going to continually grow us and move us into a better and better place. So, Lord, do that with them today. And I ask that you would uh, provide someone that can agree with them in prayer as the prayer team would come up uh, later, uh, that they could find someone to agree with them. Thank you, Lord. Father, if there's anybody here, we're getting ready to take communion. If there's anybody here that has not, does not witness with you in their heart, has not experienced, they may know about you, but they don't know how magnificent you can be living inside of us. Father, I ask that you draw their hearts right now. And that... um, And I just pray, we can just pray this right now. Father, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for not seeking after you. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came and died for my sins. And I want you to come and live in my heart right now. I want you to be a part of my life. And I want you to set my feet on your healing path for me today. Jesus and for those of you who are his children and for those who prayed that prayer right now you can come up here and take communion the, the, the wine and the grape juice represents it's a chance to, to reconnect with him and remember what he has done for us his blood cleanses us from our sins So when you drink that wine or grape juice and you drink that in and you say, thank you for forgiving me for my sins, he's washing you. He's washing you clean. And when you take that bread, which we dip, we do our dipping thing, and uh, the bread represents his broken body on the cross. All those stripes that he took for the diseases, but not just diseases, mental health, pain of punishments. Our soul, tormented soul, he took all of that, the crown on his head and the stripes on his back, and he says, by my stripes you are healed. So when you take that, bring it back into remembrance of him. 
And you're honoring Him and you're submitting to Him. And let Him come and do that special work in you. So those who are serving communion, come on up. And, uh, and when you're ready, just come on up and receive. Receive His love over you. Will you stand with me? There's a miracle of grace. It's called rain. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna formally close our service. Thank you, Nancy, for bringing that word. And just, uh, um, I just want to pray for us. And then, if the uh, uh, ministry team could come forward, if you'd like prayer from anyone in the ministry team to agree with you and go to the Lord, um, then you're welcome to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your miracles of grace. Thank you, Lord, for each person here who is your creation, your beloved. Let's ask, Lord, that you take those words given today and that you sink them deep into our souls, that you would bring healing, growth, and wisdom on the path of healing you have for each of us. Lord, anoint us with that truth and send us into the world to bring it to those who need it. Thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. If you'd like prayer, please come forward. Otherwise, uh, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Don't forget the uh, artist community lunch. Have a great day.